We've talked on Dry Powder about the quiet but rapid rise of ESG strategies, but the public conversation really seems to have shifted in recent months. The debate about sustainability and ESG is indeed quite energetic right now. That's Deborah McCoy, a partner in Bain's San Francisco office and our global lead for capital markets, sustainability, and ESG. Everyone wants to know whose preferences will win. So there is some sense of competition of preferences, I think, if we're just being realistic about the situation. But it's important that we have this debate because there haven't been venues to talk about this. Today on the show, Deborah and I will discuss why the debate around ESG is heating up and how it may shed light on the future of ESG investing. But there is no debate. The bar is quite high for private investors to actually have a plan. If you own the majority of the equity, you are responsible for what the company does. The results are going to be measured very directly. So to my mind, if energy transition and ESG writ large is going to work anywhere, it's going to work in the private equity industry. I'm Hugh MacArthur, head of Bain's global private equity practice, and this is Dry Powder. Deborah, firstly, thank you very much for coming by the show today. Thanks, Hugh, for having me. Why do you think there's such an intense debate about ESG, especially in the United States now? So a couple of observations. It's a big adjustment to go from saying that something's important, let's say the environment, that's pretty abstract, to a really specific set of actions. And so that shift from conceptual to specificity is jarring for some. It raises questions of who decides how this happens, in what manner. And it it would be normal to have these questions given we're watching this play out in real time. Let's get right down to an example of GPs. If a senior executive is going to her investment committee, what she would include in a package today is different from what would be included just a couple of years ago, because there would be some due diligence considerations of sustainability topics. And so that's an adjustment in portfolios. And Hugh, the second thing that I would observe is that folks don't quite know where all of this is coming from. We know asset owners are making new risk assessments of their portfolios, really trying to look into the long, long horizon to think about how these sustainability topics will play out. And some of the time they're calling up their fund managers to share what they're learning and asking that fund managers might do something different. That's also a pretty significant change. So There we've got a a sense of something that's specific and known to one party, but maybe less known to the other, and yet an action is required. So across the board, this tension seems to be there. It's interesting, Deborah. You mentioned process changes on the part of GPs to try and incorporate sustainability metrics in their investments, but there's no set of universal standards about what good looks like. And I know that from our work with LPs, they're wrestling with these same types of topics because they actually have to have well-developed ESG policies. And so they're trying to develop their own way of looking at the world to be able to hold GPs accountable and do audits of what GPs are actually doing in their portfolios. Have you seen any of that from the LP side as well? Hugh, yes. We recently did a study with ILPA, the Institutional Limited Partners Association, where we certainly saw some of this coming out in our survey questions. But the fiduciary investor who has to match liabilities, and as you rightly state, may have a government mandate to invest in a certain way, ends up very different from a young family who's investing for their future through mutual funds in some post-tax account in the US. Yes, they could both be talking about carbon emissions, but what they expect to be done with them in a portfolio would be different. 
Yeah, that large institutional investor may very well have bespoke portfolios available to it. But in the public discourse, the topic is the same. And then the implementation could be wildly different across different kinds of portfolio. It is actually a complex reality to discuss in simple formats, like even news articles or casual discussions. So we're, we're in the midst of a, a very advanced debate. Even I noticed there's a lot of noise about energy transition in the media today and coming from a lot of different sources. We read that it's really hard to do because 98% of the world's energy is produced by non-renewable sources, mostly fossil fuels and some nuclear. And how fast can we transition that? We read snippets in the media that energy bills in England are going up 80% this winter, that 6% of German households are burning wood now to heat their houses. It sounds like it's 1850, not 2022. And there's all kinds of noise out there. What's your reaction to those types of stories in the media? Hugh, I want to step back and actually observe that in the media, there's been a bit of confusion because energy transition, which is extremely real, very impacted by national security considerations and wars, is being mixed up a bit with the broader concept of ESG and sustainability. So for a moment, I'm going to put energy transition to the side and actually have an encouragement from your listeners. I know you've got listeners from all over the world, and it's around talking about ESG and sustainability. When anyone asks me about sustainability or ESG, I actually return with a question, which is, can you describe what you're referring to? Or can you say more? Because these topics have come to mean so many things to so many people I find myself really needing the precision of what each one person who is asking me a question really wants to know about. And so one encouragement is to just get a little more granular and detailed when talking about any of these topics. Energy transition is absolutely a concept. Carbon in the economy is a concept. And then I think there are a couple of really easy shortcuts to try to get to a clearer answer. People tend to want to think about what someone's investing in like a sustainable theme, clean energy, something like that, how companies are operating. So often people want to know, what are those executives like? Do they have workplace safety issues or have they intentionally polluted that kind of thing? And then there's a last category of folks who are really thinking about could a specific outcome or objective be reached through an investment or interaction with a company? Just clarifying impacts and outcomes can really reduce the intensity of interactions if folks are feeling pretty spirited. And by the way, because we work in an analytical field, to analyze any one of these topics, we need that precision and that specificity to get right into the detail of, well, which issue is it? And then what might it mean for a portfolio decision? So I find um, that to be really helpful. I agree, Deborah. That sounds like very sensible thinking to me. What problem are we trying to solve? And really breaking it down, as you said, is the only way to really tackle this. Because if you're, say, at too high a level, you wind up not being able to get anything done. Absolutely. To bounce back to the broader debate of the sustainability themes themselves, what are some of the broad themes that you're seeing emerging in private equity investment decisions and in their portfolios? So for private equity investors, I've seen a lot of movement on sustainability topics. This can range from energy generation to electric mobility, if you're thinking about specific investments. But we also find funds that are looking really across their portfolios at themes like decarbonization or thinking about how they might access more sustainable resources. Within the tech space, we see investment in services 
that help these sectors run. So for example, in the solar industry, software that could enable, say, workflow management or something like photovoltaic uh, engineering design. We're also seeing funds that might typically be inclined toward later stages move a little bit earlier toward venture or growth because they'd like to build up their sustainable investing platform or in many cases, specifically climate-oriented platforms. That will change in the coming years. Some of these smaller investments now will, of course, grow but we do see a little bit of movement in stage occurring as well. Even amongst those who are not directly investing in climate verticals, we are having extensive discussions with private equity clients about the impacts of climate tech disruption on their portfolios and their prospective investments. Have you noticed new capabilities inside of private equity firms as people incorporate ESG and energy transition more proactively in their thinking when they're doing investments? Hugh, we're seeing a number of our clients in private equity create specific structure to especially assess carbon, but more broadly think about ESG topics and make sure that they're treated consistently in due diligence. Then I would say that there are different stances on what to do with the current portfolio. Some funds that we see, some of the GPs are really looking to have a view on their entire portfolio right now. And others are moving at a bit of a different pace. I think when they raise new funds, they might start to consider some of these issues more fully, but may not go into all of their portfolio investments right now and take any specific actions. The relationship between the GP and the company can be delicate. And if the terms were set long ago that there's not much interaction, it can feel hard for a number of our clients to suddenly ask a lot of questions which are new and different. And so we find this can be reasonably firm-specific level of interaction or operational construct to think about either carbon topics or ESG topics. So it's a little bit of where you stand depends upon where you sit. You got it. You also work with our corporate clients, and I'm wondering how they're talking with investors about sustainability. Our CFO and CEO clients at publicly listed companies are absolutely experiencing an environment where investors are asking them regularly and in increasing depth about how they're treating sustainability issues. We've talked about the asset owners, the pension funds, the LPs, kind of the ecosystem around fund managers. So not unlike the GPs in private equity, fund managers who end up spending time with corporate uh, executives have a lot of questions about sustainability. Doesn't drive their entire investment decision at all. That's not what the data bears out. But the felt experience of executives in C-suites is they're spending an awful lot of time thinking about these topics and finding ways to communicate with the investment community about them. For GPs, this is relevant. For those who would think about uh, public listings, IPOs, we certainly see that there are some questions that come through from our private equity clients to better understand the kinds of questions they could anticipate from investors in public markets. What have you been seeing with clients as they respond to these new public policies and voluntary norms for sustainable topics? Well, we're seeing a lot of clients ask us for help. That's number one. And then often our questions become specific quite quickly. If a group is borrowing from a set of banks that have made commitments around low carbon and have said they're going to publish what's the carbon pathway for all of the assets that they touch through lending, then it's entirely possible that 
our clients, whether they're corporate clients or private equity clients, need to be able to report A, a carbon baseline, and then B, a plan for the future. So, so we're getting different kinds of requests. Many are centered around carbon, but not all. There are a range of topics, including what might it look like for goods that are produced to be ultimately recycled or come into some kind of reuse pattern. Bain will be in New York for Climate Week to talk about this. And we're also going to talk about food production, which is a very important topic where we've done an awful lot of work at Bain. So we're looking forward to that. And actually the fall, I tend to call the sustainability season because the United Nations has the General Assembly meetings in New York. And then uh, COP27, of course, comes up later on in November. So an awful lot is on the horizon for sustainability. Sounds like it's going to be a busy fall indeed. On the next episode of Dry Powder, Deborah and I will dig deeper into the public policies that are reshaping private market portfolios. Private equity investors have not had that many mandatory rules and regulations and disclosures. And so this would be a significant change for private equity investors to be mindful of. If you'd like to learn more about investor sentiment around ESG, you can find a link to our latest research in the episode notes. I'm Hugh MacArthur. Thank you for listening. 